What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Many of you probably saw last weekend that the Miami Dolphins embarrassed the Denver Broncos. The Dolphins scored 70 points. They set franchise records with 10 touchdowns, 726 total yards of offense, and 350 rushing yards. And I know they just lost to the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday, but it was the second year in a row that the Miami Dolphins had started the season 3-0. and And to be honest, this game could have been even worse for the Denver Broncos. That's because the Dolphins hit 70 points on the scoreboard with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And many people assumed that they were going to shatter the NFL single-game points record of 73 set by the Chicago Bears in 1940. But Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel showed mercy. Despite starting his career as a ball boy with the Broncos and not even being interviewed when they hired a head coach in 2022, Mike McDaniel killed the clock and intentionally left points on the board. Now, Mike McDaniel has become one of the most creative play callers in league history, but he has also taken one of the most unlikely paths to NFL success. So today's podcast is going to examine Mike McDaniel's story, including how fate got him a job with the Denver Broncos as a teenager, his short-lived football career at Yale, the time he got fired by the Houston Texans for being late, his stint in the United Football League, his battle with addiction, how he worked his way up to becoming head coach, and much, much more. This was honestly one of the favorite pieces that I've ever put together, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So let's get right into it. Okay, so most NFL fans probably first heard about Mike McDaniel when he was hired as head coach of the Miami Dolphins in 2021. But his NFL story really starts all the way back in 1993. Mike McDaniel grew up about an hour north of Denver, Colorado. He was raised by a single mother, he didn't know his father, and he didn't have any siblings. But Mike McDaniel loved sports, especially football. So the rumor is, and the story is, that Mike McDaniel would ride his bike 20 minutes to Denver Broncos training camp at the University of North Colorado every day during the summer as a kid. And he would do what normal kids would do at a training camp. He would try to get autographs, he would try to get pictures with the players, and he envisioned himself becoming an NFL player. But one day, when Mike McDaniel was 10 years old in 1993, all of this changed. And let me explain. So Mike McDaniel tells his story. And essentially what happened was that he was at the training camp one day and he would want sometimes to go through the line a second time to get player autographs. And he would have to disguise himself in some way so the players or the personnel for the Broncos didn't notice. So in 1993, he's at camp one summer and he goes through the line and he comes back. And to get another autograph from the players, he takes off his hat. He's wearing this very distinguished Charlotte Hornets hat. He puts it on a stone wall, which is a basically like a couple hundred feet away from all the players and the ones that are giving autographs. And he walks back over, goes to the line again, gets autographs, and comes back. But the problem was that when he got back, his hat was gone. He runs up to the coaches. There was a gentleman named Gary McCune, who was the Broncos assistant video director at the time, who sees him crying and is basically like, hey, what happened? McDaniel tells him what happened. He's obviously very upset. They go around, they look for the hat, they ask around, they look, check, lost, and found, can't find the hat. So Mike McDaniel ends up taking his bike and he goes home, still obviously very upset. Gary McCune, the coach for the Broncos, feels really bad about it. So Gary, just being a good guy, goes to the mall. He buys a new hat, the same one that he had, knowing that Mike McDaniel would be back at practice the next day because he comes to every practice. So Gary buys the hat. He brings it to Mike McDaniel the next day at practice. And he says, hey, buddy, you know what? Why don't you bring your family and come to camp tomorrow? Like, I know you're going to be here anyways, but bring them along. And we'll go behind the ropes. I'll show you the facility. I'll introduce you to some of the players, some of the coaches, people like that. And you'll have a great day. 
So Mike McDaniel is obviously pumped up about it. Not only did he get his hat back, but he's going to get to go inside the ropes. He goes home. He tells his mom. His mom's like, okay, we'll make it work. They drive out to training camp the next day. Now, this sounds made up. I promise you it's not. You can look up all of this stuff yourself, but it literally sounds like a Hollywood movie. Mike McDaniel returns with his mom the next day. His mom and Gary McCune, the coach that invited them, literally fall in love, start dating, and end up getting married. No joke. They literally get married. So this is obviously a year or two down the line, but they get married. He becomes the stepfather for Mike McDaniel, and the family moves to essentially a suburb of Denver so he can continue coaching the Broncos. Now, the reason why this is so unique is because now he's growing up around the NFL, right? McCune wasn't the head coach. He wasn't one of the coordinators. He wasn't necessarily even high up, but he was around the team. And he actually ended up becoming ball boy for the Denver Broncos. So there's some amazing images and videos that you can look up online of him. He's got earrings at the time. He's in high school and he's a ball boy for the team. Obviously, his dad, stepdad helped him get that job. But uh, he loves school, right? And McDaniel thinks that he can play professionally like every kid does at the time. But the reality was quite different. As much as he loved football, athletically and physically, he wasn't gifted enough to do that. So he ends up not getting recruited at all for college. So he determines that he's going to have to do it through academics. He studies up, aces his SATs and so forth, and he goes to Yale. He gets an academic scholarship to Yale, and his plan is to walk on the football team, which he does. Now, he doesn't have a great career. I think he only ends up making it up to like second string from a wide receiver standpoint on the team. All the coaches, instead of talking about his athletic ability, talked about his ability to study film, to help teach players, and to determine what plays are going to be run in the game. They literally say that he used to sit on the sideline in college games as a student. He wasn't a coach. He was a player on the team. Call out the defenses that were being run and determine the success of the play before it started. So he would be out there and he'd be like, okay, this is what the defense is going to run. Our play is or isn't going to work. And they claim he was right all the time. Obviously, some of this stuff is like folklore at this point, and he's become a very successful head coach. So maybe people are looking at it in a different light, but you get the point. He wasn't a gifted player, so he started studying the game, and he would teach other players the game, and he was constantly watching film and so forth, similar to how many of these coaches end up getting their start anyways. But he leaves college, and he goes and gets a job at an investment bank. And the reason why this is so important is because he realized, like a lot of people eventually realize doing the jobs that they get right out of college, that this may not be, one, what he's best suited to do, but two, what he's passionate about. So he literally spends three months at this investment bank and he realizes, okay, I don't want to do this. I love football. It's all I can think about. I got to go try to find a job in football. I'm going to regret it if I don't go do this now. So he quits his job at the investment bank and he gets an internship, an internship. He writes all 32 teams in the NFL about getting an internship with the team. The only team that writes him back is the team that he already has a connection with, head coach Mike Shanahan of the Denver Broncos. They end up giving him an opportunity to come in. And basically, they're like, hey, man, you're going to walk around the facility and you're going to help the coaching staff out with whatever they need. But what happened was that he ended up becoming what we'll call like the tech expert of the Denver Broncos at the time. He was just a young kid just out of college. And the story is that Coach Shanahan wanted overlays. He essentially wanted the plays to come up on the screen as they were watching the film. This at the time in 2005 required data entry, right? There wasn't any database or any portal like Huddle or any of these other systems that the teams are using today. You had to go in and you had to manually type out the play for each of the formations that were run during practice in the games to have it show up on the screen. So that was his job. He basically was like, no one else wanted to do it. I sucked my hand up. I did it. It got me in the meetings. So fast forward to 2006, his internship with the Denver Broncos ends after a year and he gets hired for a full-time position, albeit essentially like an uh, one step up from an internship as an offensive analyst for the Houston Texans. 
This is significant because Kyle Shanahan, who was a coach in Denver at the time, got hired to be the wide receivers coach for Houston, and he brought Mike McDaniel with him essentially to be his assistant. So McDaniel wasn't really coaching any positions at the time. He was essentially just there to help out Kyle Shanahan as the wide receivers coach. Now, again, this was really important because it was his first job full time in the NFL. But it wasn't the fairy tale ending that many of you might expect now seeing him as an NFL head coach. The story is that McDaniel got fired two or three years into his stint with the Houston Texans. Everything seemingly was going well, but McDaniel was dealing with a drinking problem. He was drinking essentially every single night. He didn't know how to handle it, and he would show up for work late. The second time he showed up late was for a 6 a.m. meeting in the morning, and Houston's coach Gary Kubiak fired him on the spot. Literally just got fired. So now he's 25 years old, had been in the NFL for two teams over three, four years, at 25 years old and gets fired for being late because he can't stop drinking. Obviously, rock bottom, super unfortunate, and everyone was worried for him at the time. So he's now out of professional football. At 25 years old, his stint is up, his reputation, what he believes is ruined at the time. But he still loves this stuff, and he doesn't know what to go do with his life. So Mike McDaniel literally takes a coaching job in the United Football League. Now, some of you who maybe just started watching football more recently over the last decade might never, not even know what the United Football League is, but it's essentially like the XFL or the USFL over the last couple of years. It's an alternative football league that's now default. And he takes an assistant job as a running backs coach for the Sacramento Mountain Lions of the now defunct United Football League. So this is crazy because he's probably making little to no money at this position, and he had already been kicked out of the NFL. So where do you go from here? He was, uh, in most cases, probably assuming that he can work his way back to the NFL, but that seemed like a long shot to most people. But it happens. The unique thing about football is you make relationships with the people that you work for, and if they move jobs, there's opportunities for you to move too. So Kyle Shanahan ends up getting a job as an offensive assistant with the Washington Redskins in 2011. After one year of coaching in the United Football League, he calls up Mike McDaniel and says, hey, I know things didn't work out in Houston, but I got an opportunity for you here in Washington. You're going to come here and you're going to work with the receivers. He was actually promoted to receivers coach in 2013 after two years as an offensive assistant. And they had a great time there in Washington. I know the joke around the NFL and around fan bases today is that like they drastically underperformed with the coaching set that they had. But you have to remember, they had obviously Mike McDaniel, who's the head coach of the, the Dolphins now. They had Sean McVay, the Rams. They had Matt LaFleur, who is the head coach of the Packers. They had Kyle Shanahan, who is the head coach of the 49ers. That staff was absolutely loaded with coaches. So one of the things that McDaniel talks a lot about was how he had to make his name known and had to get recognition from the other coaches on the staff. And it was very, very tough to do because you had Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur there alongside all the other coaches, Kyle Shanahan and everyone else. And these guys are football savants. These guys are football geniuses. So every single day, McDaniel's saying they're talking about insane details, the level of detail they're going into about the plays and the preparation and everything that they're going for. It taught him a lot about football. But what it also taught him was that he had to go in the weeds a little bit more and find an angle to make himself more aware of the situation and what was going on from an offensive standpoint than the other coaches were willing to do. So he asked Shanahan if he could transition to the offensive line. And Shanahan thought it was a great idea. It's like, hey, man, offensive line is one of the most important things on this team. It'd be great if you could understand the offense from their position, their point of view. So that's what he does. It ends up making a huge difference to the team. Shanahan obviously takes notice to it. And the team does really well. They had a bunch of rushing yards. Alfred Morris, I believe, set either the rookie record or the franchise record with over 1,600 yards in his rookie season. He was a six-round pick, so everyone was kind of shocked that that happened. 
named second team all pro that year. They led the league in rushing with 169 yards per game. They were fourth in scoring at over 27 points per game. And Pierre Garçon set a franchise record and was the NFL league leader in receptions with a career-high 113 catches and a career-high in receiving yards, almost 1,400 yards. So this offense in Washington was humming. I mean, this thing was great. They were running the ball, they were throwing the ball, and obviously McDaniel wasn't the only one, but he was a big part of that too, alongside some of the other coaches. So again, the unique thing about the NFL is that as coaches move up the coaching tree, you get brought along to a bunch of different places. So he actually held positions with the Cleveland Browns, and then when Shanahan went to the Atlanta Falcons, he went there as well. He became an offensive assistant for both squads. And then when Shanahan goes to the San Francisco 49ers, he goes there too. And it was very clear to essentially anyone who followed football at a high level and many of the coaches around the league that Mike McDaniel was this sort of like prodigy in some sense. He was really good. He was under Shanahan for many years at this point. And there was a reason why Shanahan is such a good coach was bringing him around to all the other teams. So after 15 seasons in the NFL, his dream comes true. On February 7, 2022, Mike McDaniel is hired by the Miami Dolphins as their head coach. He was also interviewed by the Minnesota Vikings, although they didn't hire him. He ends up going to the Dolphins. And the reason why this was so huge was because the Dolphins were seen as this job that like no one really knew what to think about it. You had Tua Tagovailoa there, who was a high draft pick from Alabama in previous years, but he had struggled really, and no one knew exactly what kind of player he was going to become. So you're in South Florida, you can recruit uh, free agents and everything else to come play there, great city to play in, all that kind of stuff. But you didn't really know what you were getting from a quarterback perspective, which is obviously an important part of the team. But they played really well in his first year. They actually ended up with a 9-8 and eight record, which, albeit, was maybe underperforming a little bit given the hot start that they had to the year. But Tua obviously got hurt for anyone who was watching last year. And the team was drastically improved from the previous season. So now they're back this year, and they are just as good. I mean, they're freaking blowing the NFL up. But I want to talk about some of the things that McDaniel has been through. So I mentioned that he was addicted to alcohol. He ended up going to rehab during his stint. I believe it was with the Atlanta Falcons. He just said to himself, and he had told, uh, I think it was ESPN about this, Jeff Darlington, the reporter there. He said that he had these crazy drinking habits and he was drinking every single day when he was with the Cleveland Browns, with the Atlanta Falcons in Washington. Just every single day he was having an alcoholic beverage and he thought that he was going to ruin his life again because it was getting to the point where he thought it was going to impact his work just like it did with the Houston Texans. So he went to rehab. He checked himself into rehab. Three weeks he spent there, and he says he hasn't had a, an alcoholic beverage since. He actually carries around this index card in his pocket, which I think is really unique. It has three numbers on it, 865, 865. And the reason why he has that card and the number of significance it is to him is the number of days that he was out of the NFL after he was fired in Houston. So 865 days from the day that he was fired from Houston to the day he got rehired in Washington. He carries it around on an index card, just as a reminder of to himself, kind of like how far he came. One of the other stories about McDaniel that's crazy is that uh, since he was late to the Houston Texans practice back in the day, he has changed his sleeping hours. And now he arrives at work at 2.30 in the morning. Literally, he leaves for the office for the football facility at 2.30 in the morning. There are some amazing conversations that took place on uh, ESPN's Sunday Countdown where they're driving with him there. It's literally 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. He's bright-eyed. He's ready to go. He got a full night's sleep before that. And he promises himself that he's never going to be late again. And he has not been a day late since he re-entered the NFL after he was fired in 2008. 
Another good Mike McDaniel story is the one that Andrew Hawkins, the former wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, told, I think it was last year on television. He essentially said that Mike McDaniel was just different. He liked to look at things from a different angle. And for example, when they were with the Cleveland Browns, Mike McDaniel would show highlights of basketball players doing crossovers. He would show Allen Iverson on the television or Michael Jordan or any of these other players. And his point was simple. He said that you shouldn't just think about football when you're doing these moves. To get off the line of scrimmage with a clean release, why can't you think about a crossover? They're essentially trying to do the exact same thing. Just think of the basketball as a line of scrimmage. And you don't have to think about football. You can use similar footwork or do things differently. And as you've seen over the last few years, I mean, over the last two, three, four years even, the footwork with Odell Beckham Jr. or Stefan Diggs or any of these guys has changed dramatically from what we had seen in previous years. Now, these aren't guys that McDaniel had coached necessarily, but it shows the difference that people are willing to implement in the game given other things that they're willing to look at. Now, there's a bunch of other things too that we can learn from this story. Some of the things that you should probably think about are like, McDaniel was obviously willing to do what others weren't, which was putting in the data entry on the staff early on in his career. He was learning and looking at new ways of the offense when he was in Washington and asked to get switched to the offensive line. And he's just historically done things much different than other people. And I think a big part of that too is that he didn't want to squander his second chance. He obviously felt like he made a mistake. Some of that had to do with his addiction at the time when he got fired from the Houston Texans. But to be out of football, to be out of the NFL for 865 days, as a 25-year-old fired for being late to meetings and then make your way back in the NFL and now become a head coach and one of the best head coaches in the NFL, it seems so far, that's absolutely tremendous and it shows that he didn't squander his second opportunity. Another thing that's interesting is like, he just made the most out of his situation wherever he's been at in his career. As a young guy, he was interested in the NFL. He went to the Denver Broncos, training camp every single day, just rode his bike there. Next thing you know, chance happens, fate happens. His mom meets her eventual, his stepdad there it gets him into the football. It gets him to be a ball boy for the Denver Broncos and it makes his connection there to get an internship there after school. Would that have happened if he didn't go to the facility? Probably not. Would it have happened if he didn't go every single day? Probably not. Would it have happened if he didn't care about football as much? Definitely not, right? So making the most out of that opportunity. Then he wants to play football in college. He can't get an athletic scholarship. So he says, okay, I better get my academics up, my grades up. And he gets an academic scholarship to Yale, walks on the football team. And albeit he wasn't a great player, but he obviously made an impression a lot on the coaches and the players when he was there. Same thing happened with the NFL. I mean, this guy got fired by Gary Kubiak. He went to the United Football League. And for those that don't know much about spring football, you're not making any money as an assistant coach on a spring football team. He was making minimum wage at the time, probably working ridiculous amounts of hours for essentially two years to try to make it back in the NFL. He did that, kept the best opportunity possible for him, and he got back. And the other thing that kind of flies under the radar a little bit is that Mike McDaniel has basically had success in every single stop that he had in the NFL since he re-entered in 2010-2011 with the Commanders. If you think about his time with the Commanders or the Redskins at the time, they were a great offense. In 2011, 2012, and 2013, he was an offensive assistant and a wide receivers coach. They had some of the best run game and some of the best passing game in the league. He then goes to the Browns in 2014 following that Shanahan tree. They had a good wide receiver room. Then they go to the Falcons in 2015-2016. Offensive analyst, great job there. They had a really good offense with Matt Ryan and those guys. Then they go to the 49ers, obviously turn that team around. A lot of this has to do with Shanahan, of course, but Mike McDaniel was one of those guys that just kept finding himself up with these new opportunities. For example, in the 49ers, he went there in 2017. He started as a run game specialist. Then the following year for two years, he was promoted to run game coordinator. Then in 2021, he became offensive coordinator. And after one year of leading that offense, he then got hired by the Miami Dolphins and by all accounts has done a tremendous job. 
So I don't tell you all this as like a pure football fan of like, hey, this guy is an X's and O genius. He obviously is. He is incredibly intelligent. He went to Yale on academic scholarship. He understands play design extremely well, and he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. But the reason why I wanted to talk about this today and write about this today is that these are the type of stories that I love about sports. I mean, this guy, if you think about where he was in 2005 or 2008, he got kicked out of the NFL for being late to meetings. He was addicted to alcohol. He was drinking every single day, and he's 25 years old. Now he's coaching in the United Football League for all intents and purposes for an extremely low amount of money. These guys essentially get paid nothing. And I'm sure his family's disappointed. I'm sure he's disappointed in himself. And he doesn't know what to do next. But now you, you you zoom out and you fast forward and you say, we're here in 2023 and this guy is the hottest thing in the NFL. How did that happen? It's a story of perseverance. It's a story of following your passion. It's a story of doing the little things that matter. It's a story of no job being too small or too big for you. And it's one of the stories that makes me love and appreciate sports more than I already do. So I hope you guys enjoyed this, this breakdown of Mike McDaniel. I hope you're able to understand a little bit more of where he comes from. And my guess is, like me, it's going to make you guys a fan of him as well. That's it for today, though. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this episode. I hope everyone has a great day, and we'll talk on Wednesday.